Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for joining me, Rick Thomas, the podcast where we put our article content in audio format so you can listen on the run. If you want to chat with me or anybody on our team, you are more than welcome to do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. We have a free public forum You'll have to get your unique username and password. That's all you need. No charge for that. Just do it. It helps us to keep bots away and spammers. And so if you get your username and password, you can jump on our website and ask a question about anything pertaining to life and godliness, and it would be a privilege for me or my team uh, to respond to you. It would be a joy to do that. I have a question for you. The title of the podcast and the article here, Are Children Better Off with Divorced Parents? Now, I suspect that the majority of people who hear a question like that will say, duh, well, they're not better off with divorced parents. Why are you asking the question? Well, at first blush, the, the answer is obvious. Children are not better off with divorced parents. But here's the thing even though I think most of us intuitively know this, many of us still get divorced. Divorce happens in spite of. It's like going down the interstate, and there's a huge warning sign and bright lights that are flickering on and off saying that the bridge is out, but we ignore the sign, and we run through the sign, and we fall off the road into the ravine to our own peril. And so as I ask the question, are children better off with divorced parents? You say no, more than likely, but we do it anyway, and I want to talk about that. And if you want to chat with me about this podcast, please do that. Uh, it, it would be our privilege to to do that with you. This is a multi-layered problem. This is a multi-angled problem when we talk about divorce, and I am only going to deal with this from one perspective. This is a web log. This is not a book. It's not a multi-hour monologue where I'm laying out all the angles to divorce. I just want to deal with one issue. Therefore, I'm only talking to married people Married people whose marriage is in a bad spot, heading toward the rocks, maybe hitting the rocks, those are the ones that I want to make a strong appeal to get help. Whatever you have to do to get help so that you don't end up in divorce. Now, if you are divorced, what I don't want you to do is to upload this podcast in such a way that you heap more guilt or shame or frustration or anger, whatever it may be on you. That is not the intent of the podcast. I want you to know that I understand your dilemma. I understand your situation more than most people. If you've been listening to my podcast or reading my resources for any length of time, you know that I went through an unwanted divorce that started on April the 8th, 1988, for 30-plus years. I have walked this path when God says, or the Bible says, God hates divorce. Well, I hate divorce. I, I really do. I understand the consequences of it. I have a scarlet D on my chest, and it will be there until Christ gives me a new body. 
And so this podcast is not intended to shame those of you who have already gone past the warning signs, and now you are divorced and you have children. I understand that. But it's because of the dilemmas, the dysfunction, the problems that come post-divorce that I'm doing this podcast, and that's why it is intended for parents who are married, for those that need to hear a stiff warning about what potentially is out there. And I want to, at the bottom half of this podcast, walk through a 11-step process. And it's not an exhaustive list, but there are 11 things in a sequential process that tend to happen to the children as they grow older uh, in a divorced family context. And I will get to that at the end of the podcast. But I want to lay some groundwork here, and I want to talk a little bit about the idea of divorce, the nature of it, the problems with it. As long as there is sin, there will be divorce, and that is just one of the sad realities about life in a fallen world among fallen people. Sin divides. That is the nature of sin. It is divisive. That is what it does. And one of the places where it enjoys carving up relationships is in the marriage bond. You could argue that divorcing is at the head of the class when cobbled together with all the other cultural blemishes. Now, maybe you wouldn't put it as 1A, but it's definitely in the list. 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D is somewhere at the top of the list when we think about some of the cultural blemishes that happen within our, within our relationships. Now, there's many bad things on the cultural landscape today that will never go away until Jesus returns to reverse the curse. For example, drugs is a pandemic problem. Homosexuality is another. Abortion. And bad religion has had a huge dysfunctional effect on many of our families. Those are just four things that quickly come to mind when I think about these cultural blemishes. Let me walk through. I want to make a case of how many times such things as drugs, homosexuality, abortion, and poor religion, how they find their roots in the family. The genesis of these problems for many people began in the family. Take drugs, for example. A broken home is a temptation for children to find escape through drugs. That was part of my story. My, my parents did not divorce, but we had a broken home. We had a, a crazy, dysfunctional home, and drugs was a portal that I used to escape from the madness that was in my family. And so the drug culture, in part, can find its roots in a dysfunctional family. Being gay. A broken home is one way children become confused about sexual identity. Having an abortion, another example of these cultural blemishes finding its roots in the home. A broken home can tempt young girls particularly to look for love in all the wrong places, and then they make poor decisions. They have sex, they get pregnant, and then they have an abortion. 
And then the fourth one that I mentioned was ineffective religion. A broken home can tempt a child to reject God, especially if the parents profess Christ, but they were not authentically living for him. I, I've said before that, in a sense, it's better for professing Christians to not profess Christ than to profess Christ and live hypocritically. There's something about hypocrisy, saying one thing and being something else entirely. There's something about that that just really can mess up children. And then there is divorce, another cultural blemish that finds its roots in the family dynamic. I have seen the common denominator of a broken home as the catalyst of all of these outcomes that I've mentioned, plus many more in my life as a counselor. And in that way, the family is more important than the local church because it is families that make up the church body. Think about that. A local church cannot be stronger, or a local church cannot be better than the family, because the church is submissive and dependent upon the health of its constituent families. If the families are weak, it weakens the more substantial, the greater body that makes up the localized group. Because the whole is made up of its parts, this makes the need for healthy, God-centered, God-loving families a non-negotiable if you want healthy churches. A preacher can preach until he is blue in the face, but if the preaching and all the other ancillary equipping ministries of the church are not appropriated, appropriated as a means of grace into the families, if the families aren't taking all of these ancillary equipping ministries and the preaching of God's Word on Sunday morning, and using them for the transformation of the family, the church will always function from a position of weakness. If the question is, are divorced children worse off than non-divorced children? Well, the answer is, as I stated at the very outset of this podcast, it's an absolute yes. And then I can hear the, uh, the arguers, the debaters, Someone may say that their marriage was so horrible that the best thing for their children was for the parents to divorce. I would not argue that point. I would take them at their word that their marriage was, uh, or the, yeah, the family dynamic was horrible, the marriage was horrible, and it was better to divorce than to stay in that kind of hostile environment. That's a non-arguable point. As far as I am concerned, I'll take you at your word. But that reality is not the issue that I'm discussing here in this podcast. In a vacuum, the problem in view here is whether divorce is better for children or not. That is all that I am talking about in this podcast. I'll give you that point. That's not an arguable point. Some families are so horrible that some people end up divorced, and that is the best possible outcome because it is the lesser of two evils. I have written on the subject of dysfunctional families, and so if you want to read more about the repercussions and consequences of a dysfunctional family, well, you can read that or you can talk to me on our public forum, and I'll be glad to discuss that with you. But in this podcast, we're dealing with one issue. Divorce is always wrong and never right for any child. And, and it could be that 
let's just say that we are talking about the battle between the lesser of two evils, a horrible home situation or a, versus a divorce. Neither one is the best outcome for a child. I think we can agree on that. There is no debate in my view. As far as divorce, it's never right for the child, period. You cannot go against God's design, even if you have a biblical divorce. And even if the church encourages you to get a divorce because it is biblical and your home life was horrid. It reminds me of what our Lord talked about in Matthew 19, where he said that divorce was never God's will, but because of the hardness of people's heart. He had Moses pen Deuteronomy 24. 1 through 4. You remember when they came to him in Matthew 19 and they talked about divorce, they wanted to deal with this idea of divorce. And how did Jesus answer them? He went back to the beginning. It was never God's design. The best right answer is always for a man and a woman to come together to be married and to live forever together until death separates them. That is always the right way. There is never a better way than God's original design. But Jesus said, because of the hardness of people's hearts, Moses penned Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. This truth makes hardness of the heart a pivotal phrase in the discussion. And that's why I'm making the appeal. If you are heading down that road and the warning signs are up and the bridge is out and the divorce card, I'm mixing my metaphors here, the divorce card is on the table, somebody has hardness of heart. Because of the hardness of heart, God gave an allowance for divorce. You need to change. You need to transform. You need to repent. The problem was that the good Lord's creation, at least some of the people within his creation, not all, but they did not want to do it the right way. They had hard hearts. Whenever hard-heartedness is the case, it will always create problems that people can't resolve. You can't resolve hard-heartedness if you're going to continue to have a hard heart, even if the other spouse does not want the divorce. A simple look at the process that leads to these kinds of unresolvable problems in the lives of folks who choose divorce, it could go like this in, in three steps. Step number one, there's only one right way, do not divorce. Now, if we could stop there and, and not go past the warning sign, then that would be it. That is the process. We're going to get married. We're not going to divorce. But we have a hardness of heart problem. It doesn't work for everybody, or everyone does not want it to work for them. And so step number two, okay, but you divorce anyway, even though God says that's not what you should do, whether it's biblical or not. The issue in view here is not whether you have a biblical uh, divorce or an unbiblical divorce, but you just do it anyway. Now, once you do that, step number three, because you chose to do it your way, there will always be collateral damage. Always. Innocent people will be hurt. This, maybe the spouse did not want the divorce. That spouse will suffer for the rest of his or her life to varying degrees. Church people will divide. Problems never fully resolve. Children will divide too. 
between siblings, between parents, and there are many more issues that will continue to roll out once divorce becomes the redefinition of marriage. And so that's a simple process of how we get to unresolvable problems. Step one, there's only one way, don't divorce. Step two, I divorce anyway. Step three, you will accrue collateral damage and you will not be able to resolve it all. It's, it's imperative. When people start talking about divorce, even if they have biblical grounds, I want them to understand where this new road that they're carving out, where it is leading them to. If two spouses do not mutually agree that there is only one right answer for living well with others on God's earth, there will be problems they can't resolve. This reality is real even if the person can biblically divorce while honoring God's word. There is a case to biblically divorce, but please understand that when you go that route, even though you biblically can, it's going to be a tough road for you as you move down that road. Once you go another answer, besides the only right answer, even if you have permission for divorce, there will be problems, conundrums, questions, mysteries, riddles, dysfunction, confusion, unresolvable conflict, and a boatload of other issues that only the future will reveal because you will not be fully apprised of everything that's going to happen in your future when you go down the road of divorce. Being left with the divorce option, regardless of how the person came to that decision, is never the ultimate right answer, as in the best option. Because even a proper reason for divorce happens because of the hardness of somebody's heart. Maybe you do have biblical grounds for divorce. Well, the reason you have those biblical grounds for divorce is because of the hardness of somebody's heart. That adverse situation is not the answer that anyone wants to hear. You don't want to hear that this is what your future path is going to look like. But the truth is that if the response a person is looking for is something cleaner, purer, or more holy, when there is sin involved, there will be even more disappointment added to their problems. That's where I want to be honest with you, that when you go down this path, here are some things that you can expect. There is no clean and satisfying answer when a person in a relationship chooses to sin, whether we're talking about divorce or anything else. There has never been a satisfying answer to the sinfulness of man except for the, a sin-crushing solution. And that sin-crushing solution is the cross of Christ, Christ who conquered sin. The answer for God's children is to emulate that cross work in their lives. If that does not happen, we're all left trying to make out the best we can, giving half-satisfying solutions, showing compassion where we can, confronting when needed while trying to patch up but never heal the sickness that is among us. I'm not suggesting that you should have gone back to your horrible marriage. Please don't hear that. I'm not saying at all. I am not even talking to you if you are divorced, as I said earlier, regardless of how it happened. I'm strictly dealing with one question. Are children better off with divorced parents? And I'm saying divorce is not God's original intent. It never has been, never will be. When it comes to divorce, children will always struggle. Though the grace of God can overpower our sin, 
Yes, it can. And I hope it does. If you are divorced and your children are working through the consequences of the mistakes that you and your spouse have made, there is grace for this. Grace has broad borders for our mistakes, especially if you are a divorced parent and your heart's desire is for your children to love God with all their hearts, all their souls, all their minds. It is possible that your children can be okay. I don't want you to hear some kind of false determinism here that once you go down that road uh, that your children will never be okay, that they will never recover. I'm not saying that, but there's two ditches here. There is a false determinism that says that they will never recover, never have victory in Christ. And then the other ditch is presumption. I'm going to do this anyway because God forgives and God will make a way somehow. You don't want to land in either ditch. Now, ironically, my parents did not divorce, but it would have been a better situation I do believe, if they had divorced. Our home was, was horrid, and that's, that doesn't even come close to describing uh, the craziness, the madness, the loudness, the total dysfunction of my family life. And it, even though I came from a broken home where my parents never divorced, we were not better off by being in that kind of environment. And so you could say it like this, would divorce have made us better children? Well, no, absolutely not. I've, I think I've made a case for that. Well, then would living in a dysfunctional home make us better children? Well, that's how we did live, and no, it didn't. Two of my brothers went to prison, and they were later murdered. Another brother has never trusted Christ. I'm brother number four out of five. Two brothers trusted Christ, and even though God regenerated two of us, we have spent our entire lives working through the horrible shaping influences from our upbringing. Now, if we're discussing the lesser of two evils, well, both of them are evil. Marriage dysfunction breeds children dysfunction. Divorce dysfunction breeds children dysfunction. Honoring the Lord in your marriage is the only right way. I can't make the appeal any stronger. Whatever you have to do, come talk to us. If you don't want to get on our public forum, we have counselors. There's four of our graduates who do counseling, biblical counseling for our ministry. I have trained them. They've graduated from our program. They're competent counselors, and you're welcome to meet with them in a more private setting. But if you're about to barrel through the sign and about to head off into the ravine, then talk to us in the public community forum. Get set, let's set up counseling sessions so that you can talk. I have a book that I would love for you to read called Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook. It is 34 chapters that walk through the change process, and a good portion of it deals with marriage, family life, the home, communication, of course, repentance, transformation. It is a book about how you can transform Go to our website, go to our store, click on the link, and you can order that book. It's almost 300 pages, and you can read it. And may God use that to help your marriage. But honoring the Lord in your marriage is the only right way. When a person presumes that divorce is best for the children, they're either self-deceived, self-centered, or they are weighing the divorce option in a lesser of two evil 
scenario. Now, I know in some situations that's all you can do because the other person is going to jump in the ravine whether you want to or not, and they're going to take you with them. But there will be fallout. I want to walk through in 11 bullet points the fallout when divorce happens in a family. This list is not exhaustive. There, these are some of the things that I have experienced when dealing with families and divorce. These things are in addition to the four problems at the top of this podcast, drugs, homosexuality, abortion, and religion. But this is peculiar to divorce. Here are the, here are the 11 steps, 11 things that I've seen with families that choose divorce over reconciliation. Number one, when the divorced children are young, the vision of the parents can be myopic. They, the parents cannot see into the future. Children are not as challenging to parent in every way that they need to be parented while they are young. And I know some parents with young children thinking, dear God, how, how will I get through this age? Well, <laughs> I've got maybe bad news for you. Parenting becomes more challenging when they start walking upright when they start talking, when they become independent, when they have their own minds. And what happens with parents like this, when I say myopic, I mean short-sighted. And what I'm talking about is that, oh, they're just cute and cuddly, and, and they'll get through divorce, and we'll be able to handle this. No, you won't. They're going to grow up, and, and their sin problems are going to not not just manifest. They're already manifesting, uh, but they're going to be exponential and this is a huge point, especially if you're talking about divorce as a, uh, when your children are young. Number two, they will begin to experience fear of man, Proverbs 29, 25. The early pressures as they soon realize that they are different. When they're shuttled to one parent, to another parent, and their life is becoming disruptive, they're not living in that cocoon any longer, and they begin to have social awareness and, and, and realize the difference between them and their peers, uh, the insecurities or what the Bible calls fear of man will, will begin to creep in, creep in. Point number three, they'll start looking for acceptance. One of the kids' strongest desires is to deal with the insecurity issues of the heart. They will be compelled to find anything or anyone that, that feels like love to them. Number four, they will begin to experience compounded guilt and shame. Guilt and shame are kissing cousins in the heart of the divorce. As they grow older, there'll be days, for example, that when they want to hang out with their friends and they say, well, I can't hang out with you all today. I got to be with my dad or I got to be with my mom. And just just having to have to say that stirs up guilt and shame that divides the child between being with his friends or her friends and being with one of the parents. Number five, because of these accruing issues in the child's life, anger will soon follow because he realizes his parents should not have put him in that position. Number six, his relationship with God will inevitably suffer because of his skewed view of who God is. Number seven, one parent will create a distance from the family dynamic because being together cannot be successfully maintained. Possibly, more than likely, one or both parents will remarry. They'll have their own jobs. They'll have their, their own new spouses. They may even have other children. They will create an entirely new home life with unending responsibilities that will keep the parent at a distance from the child no matter how hard the parent tries. 
Number eight, as teenagers now, they'll begin to drift from the family because they won't, there won't be anything to persuade them to do otherwise. They'll create their own communities. They will have this family di- uh, dysfunction, and they're not really moored to their family, and so they'll create their own community. Social media does an awful but comprehensive job in drawing these teenagers away. Number nine, the child will overreact to his upbringing. He has no choice. He'll either respond in anger or he will react by running as far as he can from it. Number 10, the child's future marriage will struggle because he had no template. He had no training for what a normal marriage should look like because his parents chose divorce. Number 11, divorce perpetuates dysfunction. Unless the gospel comes into their lives, the children of divorce will struggle mightily, and it's highly possible that they too will get divorced and apart from the Lord's imposing mercy as experienced through the gospel. It almost always works out this way. If you want to read this list, go to this article on the website, Are Children Better Off with Divorced Parents? If you're thinking about a divorce, I want you to listen to the podcast. I would love for you uh, to read through these 11 points. And there are more to this idea of divorced kids. I asked the obvious question in the beginning, are divorced kids better off? Well, absolutely not. Uh, My appeal to you is to repent of whatever that is hindering your marriage from looking like Christ and his church. If it doesn't happen, there will be inestimable fallout. Yes, and let me finish this way, there is grace for this. The grace of God can be a means that can clean up all of our sin. But it's also true that we don't want to presume on that grace. Do not take God for granted thinking that he will clean this thing up and make it right. Let us know how we can help you. Chat with us. Let us serve you. It would be our joy. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.